There we go. <laughs> all right, Vocal Fam. I was, all of a sudden, I was not able to hit record, and now I was able to hit record. Here we are. We are here. It's February. This is our February Plural Publisher Showcase with Lita Scarce, who I made sure I said her name right. I'm going to roll our theme song, and we're going to go. Here we go. All right. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third formant, everyone's favorite buzzsaw. Vocal fam, I'm really cold. It's very cold in my house. Because it's very cold in Mississippi. Our HVAC has been out for three weeks. Oh, no. Uh, and so we are in a house solely being heated by space heaters, but it's okay. I have a jacket on. I'm not sure that's super okay. Like, it's really cold Yeah, it's going to be 11 degrees on Monday. Yeah. Oh, uh, so anyway, all right, Lita. <laughs> Lita, other than that, other than it being really cold... Uh, and me having all the space heaters here turned off so we don't have huge space heater noises on the podcast. Lita, welcome to Vocal Fry. Yes, thanks for having me. Thank you on. so much for being here. Um, yes. And eventually we're going to be here to talk about Lita's publication with Plural Publication, a manual of, si- manual, uh, not, uh, manual of singing voice rehabilitation, a practical approach to vocal health and wellness. Uh, as we continue on our year of plural sponsorship. So thank you to Plural. And thank you, Lita, mm-hmm. for being here. We're excited to have yes. you. Um, I'm, and I'm very yes. flattered that you said you've listened to us before. I I, I mean, that's amazing. Um, most of, of the time, I, I think people are like, oh, yeah, you guys do a podcast? Have a thing? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Um, no, I, I have enjoyed them very much. And thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, oh. I'm honored to be on your podcast and um i just appreciate the work that you're doing and oh thank you spreading the joy of voice absolutely (laughs) and that is definitely definitely what what one of our missions um vocal fam for those of you who do not know um Lita is on the faculty at Duke University, and we'll get into that as we hear about her background um, there uh, in their both, you know, sort of speech language pathology, director of vocal performance things and all kinds of things. Uh, even almost, are you wearing, I'm, forgive me, I'm totally colorblind. Are you actually wearing <laughs> Duke blue today? You know, that's not intentional, but this is, this is almost... <laughs> It comes through on the screen a little more Duke blue than it actually, actually is. It's is, a pretty blue. But isn't that interesting that it projects itself as, as Duke blue? I'm just glad I got the color right. Very impressive. Jamie came up to me yesterday and he held up a blue shirt and he goes, Sarah, is this green? And I was like, no, honey, that is, that is yeah, definitely. Sarah's like, husband and I. Is it a I, little no. green? We're both colorblind. I was colorblind. like, it's not a little, it's not even close, No. So yeah. yeah, I have to, I check his clothes most days. Anyway, so Lita, I want to sort of since the vocal if the vocal fam's not familiar with you, I would like to sort of go back to you know the first really? part of your career as a singer, mm-hmm. and you know like tell us like what your vocal journey was like. Just so before we get into the speech language pathologist part of your part of your time and career and whatever like where what 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 introduced you to singing what was your path like all that kind of stuff oh 
thank you for that on entree into this conversation. Um, you know, of course, there are always many branches to these paths, right? And I, I certainly was always interested in, in music and um, enjoyed music class in elementary school. I think I got to sing a solo in the Erie Canal when I was in sixth grade, like the third verse. Fantastic. And, uh, I think that was my first solo public performance. My debut. Yeah. Yes. And um, then when I was in uh, junior high school, I actually didn't start out in chorus my first year of junior high. But then I found out that if you took chorus, you didn't have to take gym. Oh, <laughs> and I, I had oh, a gym wow. teacher in elementary school who kind of terrified me. And I was really <laughs> afraid of a gym class. So, so I found out you didn't, if you took chorus, you didn't have to take gym. So I was like, sign me up. <laughs> um, and then I just had this really wonderful chorus teacher in, um, in middle school who just gave me a lot of opportunities and I, I, it just felt very at home to me and very right to be in that context. And I loved learning about it. And I loved singing. And, um, I actually had that same chorus teacher through high school. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of, he deliberately went to the middle school when he started teaching in our community. He taught the high school and the middle school at first because he wanted to be the program. Very smart. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So he um, then was my uh, choir teacher in high school and I took voice lessons from his wife and just became ah. more and more um, interested in being involved in performing and developing my voice and sang in the high school musicals. And um, I got to sing... Um, Maria in West Side Story oh. when I was in 10th grade and I, you know, had watched the movie a million oh, times man. and, um, you know, loved it so much. And Marnie's, uh, Marnie Nix was the one who actually sang that performance, right? Um, loved her voice. Um, and so I, I, I kind of was on this path of being more and more involved in performing at kind of higher levels. And so I came to that fork in the road of, you know, graduating from high school and where am I going to go from here? I was also really interested in, um, in math and science. Ah, and so that I was there from the beginning a little bit. It was there from the beginning. Ah, okay. I, I was kind of thinking about a career in medicine. So, so huh. when I ah. was thinking about college, that was sort of my, my juncture was, do I want to go on this path to a pre-med program or, or, or music? And um, I decided on music. I, I felt like I, I want to give this a chance. I want to yeah. try. I will never know, you know, if yeah. I don't give this a try. So I then went to Indiana University. Oh, fantastic. For my undergrad. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And I <laughs> just, just, uh, really lucked out in getting a terrific voice teacher there mm, yeah um lucille evans sure uh, and she had just she and her husband had just come there um from they, cincinnati yes and they ended up at mcgill right right i right. I, I sang a master class for her once yes oh she punched me in the stomach yes <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was actually the uh, sorry just a little uh, sidebar yeah, it was the first time i had ever sung uh, you know i was what 21 it was the first time i i had ever sung amazing me in public and then that was like the thing that i used to win every audition i mm-hmm. ever did but but in, when i was you know young and fancy and trying to audition things but um but yes lucille and robert evans i i i, remember, I had multiple coachings with him and anyway oh, a treasure, just great a German treasure. And the leader. Pair of them together, oh, just every, oh, every man. language. I mean, he he fluently spoke like I don't know five or six. Gosh, for, forgive was, me. Do do you, are they still living? I have no idea. I periodically look them up, and um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, I, and I, honestly, I don't. I don't. I'm know the I'm, I'm, to uns- that, I'm unsure. I, I think looked Google them up does. not that long ago. I uh. think within the last year or so um and i saw a, there was something on youtube that was a i think a, a uh-huh. master class with with her um and i didn't find anything that had great. said that they had passed so great okay I'm yeah i'm hoping they're out there fantastic still, you know, me too vocal fry sends yeah. them wonderful good health yeah. and, and and many long years anyway so but all right I was so i was so lucky because you know the when you get assigned a teacher at Indiana, or at least at that time, you know, it was kind of this cattle call. And, yeah. And um, I uh, was was at that day where you go and you sing and they assign you a voice teacher. And I, I, I heard this voice coming from out of the room and I put my ear up against the door and it was just this amazing, um, amazing voice. And, and she finished and, and she came out and, and I was saying, oh my gosh, who do you, who's your voice teacher? And it turned out that she was a graduate student who had come from Cincinnati uh. to continue with Lucille, but she had, I can hardly even say Lucille because it was always Mrs. Evans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and she had come from Cincinnati to, to study with her and had been studying with her for years. And, you know, so then I, I specifically asked if I could sing for, um, Mrs. Evans, and she took me. Fantastic! Was, wow, oh, that's a great yeah. start. It it was, and I, you know, I'm sure it was, they had just gotten there, and you know, she didn't have a full studio yet, and I'm sure, you know, a couple of years later, it was much harder to get in her studio. So it was a wonderful bit of of good fortune. Great. Yeah. And she was a wonderful teacher for me. She was just very technically sound, and um, and you know, having access to Bob. As well, you know, if it was time right. for my junior recital and I had to pick up my repertoire, she would say, go talk to Bob, go talk to Bob. And then I would go, go talk to Bob and, you know, he, <laughs> in his office, he would just start I can, I can hear her things, saying that. pulling That's things right. off shelves and just, you know, he just knew so much repertoire and all these things that nobody else sang and um, just so much interesting uh, literature. He, just, he taught our song lit. Sure, of course. While he was course. there as well. So I just, that was a really wonderful experience. And then, as you say, they left for McGill um, right before my senior year. Oh! Yeah. oh. Uh, and so then after that, I studied with uh, Lynn Luciano uh-huh. um, and I ended up staying at Indiana for my master's degree. And um, I worked with Virginia Zayani also toward the end of my degree. And then I came back and worked with her after I had finish my master's as well. So I just was really fortunate in teachers in having 
Yeah. Really, really, really great teachers. Uh, so I finished my master's degree and sort of embarked on my career. And I was always very interested in teaching. I actually, when I was an undergrad, my high school voice teacher asked me to take some of her load when I was home in the summers. So I kind of cool. um, just had my introduction to teaching voice at that time. And then I was a graduate instructor at Indiana and, and taught there. So that was always something that was interesting to me. And I started out at Bowling Green State University as an mm-hmm. adjunct mm-hmm. faculty. Mm-hmm. In Ohio. And, um, yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was also building my performing career. So I sang there with the Toledo Symphony and, um, that was the year I, I did, um, I went to the regional finals in the Mad Audition yep. that year, which was a great honor um, and great learning opportunity. And uh, at the end of that year that I was in Ohio, I had an opportunity to audition for a company called the National Opera Company, which you probably have never heard of. It started out as the grassroots opera company and a lot of really big name singers um got uh you know kind of had a start in the grassroots opera company so by the time i i was um auditioning and and accepted into the company it was called the national opera company it was the only privately funded opera company in the country it was um a legacy of a, a very wealthy um he was primarily his his um, career was primarily in broadcasting. He founded mm. a broadcasting company here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, uh, but he was involved in in many many things, and and he loved to sing, and he loved opera, and so he decided to start this uh, little opera company. Um, by the time that I joined the company, he he had passed, and it was kind of an established and, and ongoing. Thing. So it was a repertory opera company. We did four productions per year in rep mm-hmm. for, and it was a nine month season. Wow. And it was just what? an incredible opportunity because I was, you know, I, I joined that company when I was 25 and I, you know, I got to sing Nadina and Gretel and, um, Marie in, mm-hmm. um, Daughter of the Regiment. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, was had the opportunity to sing these great roles and and sing them dozens of times in in the season. That's great. So, yeah, like it being was. in a fest contract, except in the states. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, where was that company located? It was based here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Really fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was the first thing that brought me here. Oh, okay. Oh, ah, I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so I was with that company for two seasons uh-huh. and just, like I said, learned so much and just was such a great opportunity sure. to work on rep. And then I did a, uh, a summer at the Ohio Light Opera Company. Oh, um, sure, which sure. Also yep. great. Yeah. You know, we did seven productions and I had leading roles in several of them. So just another yeah. great opportunity to do multiple performances. You know, a lot of regional opera you do like maybe four to six to 
Yeah. Maybe 10 performances. And then you're out of town. <laughs> right. And I did like 25 performances of the new moon. Um, so it was just a great. You may be the only human who's done 25 performances of new moon, <laughs> uh, along with your Ohio, other Ohio light, um, perhaps descendants. But um, right. a- a- anyway. Quite possibly. <laughs> new moon yeah. vocal fam it, it includes the tenor aria, softly as in a morning sunrise. So I'm very familiar with this particular yeah. uh, okay. piece of. I actually have a really sorry. I have to tell a really quick story. Oh, dude, did you sing that role? I have never sung the role. I've sung the aria, mm-hmm. and the, the the story. Sarah, I think you've heard this story before, but I've never Possibly. told it on the podcast. I was contracted to do this concert in Miami when we were in Miami, and um, and I they wanted me to sing softly in the mornings. They knew I could sing high C, so they wanted me to sing softly in the morning. Sunrise. Okay, fine, whatever. Um. So we're at we're at the rehearsal, and the director of this small company starts dancing around me during the <laughs> rehearsal, telling me that it will be that way with the dancers. Because you know, right before in the show, as you know, having done twenty five performances of it, there's a dance that happens, like to describe kind of what he's going to sing about, and then they kind of keep doing their thing, the fight scene, and whatever. While you know, whatever. And so it was supposed to then be this like in the. Pre- Thing that we were doing, I didn't know that there was like this whole choreographed ballet <laughs> right before I was going to sing. But here was what really made it interesting that I didn't know was that I was supposed to bow with the dancers. And, you know, dancers do a choreographed like one, two, three, up, bow, down, and back, two, three, up, down, bow. And so this idiot tenor is like walking like around the stage being escorted by these dancers. Oh, no. Ter- terrifying and my, and my singer colleagues are all in the wings i was the only one who had this like i was the only one that the dancers and the singers actually interacted and i could see all my colleagues of course in the wings dying yeah. of laughter like it was the yeah. funniest thing they had ever seen oh, no sorry anyway that's that's my that's my new moon story that's a great new moon story i love that Golly we have that connection anyway yeah. so please continue on i have a story like that if we have time at the end I'll no no please when i was a pink sheep in a pink <laughs> well i mean and there would be some strange things that i'm sure yes. happened in a production of candy that yeah. just seems that just seems normal Natural, for a production yeah. of a candy to me <laughs> this was just a particularly personally embarrassing ah uh, okay very so well oh, okay you know, not, oh. <laughs> yeah Sure. Strange sure. Thing. Anyway, so so you you were singing with this company. You're now in yes. Raleigh Durham. Yep. Uh, so, so I go did ahead. Two years with the National Opera Company, and then uh, left to um, see what I could do with uh, you know kind of regional opera and yeah. stuff that was going on locally. So I continued to live here in Raleigh, and I taught at Meredith College, mm-hmm. which is. A um, small women's college here that had an excellent oh. voice program at that time. I was on the adjunct faculty there, and I was there for three years. So I really that I feel like is when I really got a chance to develop as a teacher, and I had a really broad span of students because they had a kind of a community music school as mm. well. So I mm-hmm. taught some high school kids. I taught mm. some non-major undergrads. I taught voice majors. Um, and had wonderful colleagues yeah, there great. as well, who I learned a lot from. 
And then I moved to Hawaii. Um, (laughs) That's nice. That's nice. (laughs) I I mean, I'm I'm already jealous because I hate the cold. It's a hard place to live. I've heard that. No, I've I've, I've, yeah. I've heard that. Uh, it was a wonderful experience, kind of in retrospect, and and I had a, a lot of cool things happen there. But I've heard um, that. But it was hard. It was hard to live there. It's very expensive. It very. Oh. It was very much present that it was two thousand miles from anywhere. Ah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. I just felt that. Uh, but I had some great singing experiences there with the. Um, Hawaii Symphony, and a lot of, I did a lot of chamber music there, and I had an opportunity to sing with Hawaii Opera Theater there, oh. some great directors and conductors there. So I was in Hawaii for three years. Wow. And moved around a bit. I moved around a lot. There's, there's even more. Uh, then I lived in Western North Carolina. Okay. For... Um, for uh, several years, I was married at that time, and um, the man who was my husband at the time just had this very peripatetic kind of life, and Got was it. kind of always moving on to to the next uh, thing. Got it. So, and and I was moving along to the next thing with him. With me. Um, so we lived in Western North Carolina for three years, and then he got a one year appointment at. Uh, it used to be North Texas, Texas State University, and it's now University of North Texas. University of North so, Texas, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, here we are at another great, humongous uh, music school. Right. And, yeah. Uh, it was a one-year appointment, so knew that we were going to be there for one year. And so I was kind of trying to figure out what am I going to do in this year. And I had sort of had this idea in the back of my mind for a while at that point, uh about just exploring other career options okay. or mm-hmm. shifting the focus okay. of my career. And I thought about several things and kind of two big ones. Uh, one was veterinary school. I thought I might oh. want to become a veterinarian. Like a big, sh- that's a big shift. That's, yeah, that's, that's a big shift. Except it ties in the medicine. Yeah. 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 My, my love for animals. So that was sure. one thing I was thinking about. And the other was speech pathology uh-huh. and yeah. at that time honestly i didn't even know that voice was a part of speech pathology my concept oh. of speech pathology <laughs> was you know from there was a speech pathologist when i was in elementary school i thought they yeah. like helped people not lisp right. or say right. their r's correctly mm-hmm. and and you know i thought well i i've taught diction i i think i have a, a good ear for sound so that seems like something that I could do. So those were the things that I was kind of thinking of. And two big things happened in that year that I was in Texas. One is that I, another great stroke of luck, good fortune that I experienced, I got hired as a surgery technician in a veterinary ophthalmology clinic. Wow. In Dallas. Okay. And um, so that was kind of my opportunity to just sort of Test the waters? To, yeah. yeah, test the waters. That's a perfect description, Sarah, uh, to kind of the veterinary side of things. And also because um, my husband at that time was teaching at UNT, I had an opportunity to take classes for cheap, basically. Oh. Ah, so nice. sure, my, sure. my thought was, uh, we arrived there at, you know, I think maybe the 
second week of August or something. It was like right a week before school started. So my thought was, well, I'll go take maybe a class in speech pathology or see if I can maybe audit a class and just learn more about uh, the the profession. So I, I wander over to, I find out where the speech pathology department is and I wander over there a week before school and nobody's in their offices. Um, so I go talk to the secretary and she's like, oh, oh, there is one person here. And so, uh, and for the life of me, I, I can't remember the name of this, um, of this woman now, which is terrible because she had a huge influence on my life. But she was like the one faculty member who was there that day. So mm-hmm. uh, the secretary takes me down to her office and she's like, yes, yes, come in and tell me about you. Tell me your story. So I kind of told her my whole story up to that point. And she was like, oh, you're going to be a great speech pathologist. <laughs> this is a great career for you. And she starts pulling things out of files. And oh, wow. she says, okay, so you, uh, if you're going to start your master's degree next year, then you need to take this class and this class and this class. This semester, <laughs> this semester you take this class and this. And then the nice thing, I knew I was enrolled in like 18 hours of credits. Oh, my of gosh. Speech pathology undergraduate classes that I would need to start a master's degree. And so then, you know, a few days later, I'm sitting in this classroom. I was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Um, and the second class I was in that day, that first day, was Anatomy for Speech and Healing. Oh. And so I sit down in that class, and the teacher starts talking, and I I was like, wow. And she got to voice anatomy, and I just, I just thought, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This, this feels right. And I, right. you know, there just you was, that's right. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know voice was a part of this. And she's talking about how the voice works and all these structures that I kind of was familiar with from my, you know, yeah. vocal pedagogy. You knew that there was and, a larynx. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I knew something about arytenoids, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I would say that my, my knowledge was, was fairly basic sure. at that point. And, and so I was hooked at that awesome. point. So, so then I, in the next, the following semester, I took the remaining classes that I needed to uh, start a master's degree and was still learning about the veterinary side of things and exploring okay. that and enjoying that. And this was a specialty practice. So, you know, we saw dogs and cats, but we also saw birds and Oh. lizards and horses and tigers they brought this tiger from the zoo one time they had to have Amazing. eye surgery so yeah okay. so it was uh that was a terrific experience as well i learned so i learned so so much and you know then i'm getting these pieces of medicine and surgery and and kind of that side of things so then uh then i moved to maine <laughs> oh wow <laughs> to uh to portland maine where it was cold that year where it was very cold mm-hmm. i grew up in michigan so i was oh okay never mind <laughs> with actual winter but i hadn't been in actual winter for, for a, a bit for yeah probably 10 years at that point yeah and so uh yeah the winter was a shock but i um was continuing to kind of put things together and i knew if i wanted to do speech pathology i was going to need to apply so a master's program, I knew if I was going to do veterinary medicine, I was going to need to apply um, there. And so I really had to make that decision decision mm-hmm. at that point. And there were a number of things that went into the final decision, but 
one that was really significant was it was uh, the first Christmas that I was there in Maine. I lived in Portland, downtown Portland. I was oh. teaching voice at um, Southern Maine University of Southern Maine okay. and trying to figure out what I was going to do right. next. And it was Christmas, and I had gone to a gospel Christmas concert oh. in, in uh, downtown Portland. Okay. And one of the singers was really in trouble. Uh, it was clear. Uh, I was really struggling to get through the performance. And, I mean, we've all been in that situation, right, where we're in a performance and we can tell the singer is, is having a hard time. And he, yeah. was, he was really, really struggling. And I was kind of on the edge of my seat the whole show because I just I just was pulling for him so much. And, yeah. you know, it seemed like, gosh, is he even going to be able to get through this next song? And then he would kind of leave the stage for a while and other stuff would happen, he would come back. So it was, uh, I'm sure it was a very harrowing experience for him. And I just was so aware of how hard that must be for him. And, And then I was walking home that night after the concert and it was snowing and, you know, it was Christmas and it's all the Christmas lights were on and I was walking home in the streets of Portland in the snow that night and I thought I would really like to be able to help someone like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And pursuing speech pathology was the path. That's awesome. To to achieving that. So so I made my decision and I applied to schools. And one of the schools I applied to was Boston University. There you go. Mm. And uh, when I interviewed there, I I told them what I wanted to do, and and again just had the great good fortune to have just these supportive, helpful people in my sure. life who made the connection with Mass Eye Ear Infirmary and kind of ensured that I would get a, a placement there in voice awesome. as a part of my training. And so, but, you know, the whole profession is fascinating to me. And I, I, I knew I wanted to do voice, but I, I loved everything that I learned. And I, you know, I could see myself going in other directions in this mm. profession. It's just super diverse. And in terms of the things that are under that umbrella of speech pathology, types of disorders and, and types of interventions and... So, so I loved, I loved learning all of it. But in my third out of four semesters, I had my placement at Mass Ioneer Infirmary, and I was living in Portland. I was, you know, commuting two hours wow. every day and teaching. And and I, you know, I remember the first day of my placement there. I think I had to be there at like seven thirty in the morning. So I, you know, I'd been up since four in the morning, and I remember walking into that clinic and just being like yeah oh that's awesome this is like everything in me said yes and i just wanted to soak up as much as i could and and learn everything well and and can i just say it's really beautiful to hear somebody actually like find something where what they were really inspired to do in their life was actually to help somebody else 
Mm-hmm. You know, that that's awesome. I mean, that, that just the very sentiment of that, I mean, just has a great sense of, of, uh, you know, being able to legitimately help somebody with, with, you know, a struggle that they're having, you know, whatever that is. And I mean, I, you know, I, I wish that, that that was the case for every voice teacher themselves, just that mm-hmm. we were really approaching even voice teaching with, I have something that I can offer to this human being across the room from me where I can help them have more joy in making loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in yeah. a really succinct way, um, but but no, I mean it'd be a, a beautiful thing of uh, uh, that path towards speech path. So obviously, then at some point you got you know you transitioned to Duke and you ended up, you know, how, how did you get to Duke? Like what 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 brought mm-hmm. you there? Well, I was still married at that time and still in this kind of peripatetic life. And, oh, okay, okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, and so. Uh, the the final landing of that uh, relationship was back here. Got in, it. In North uh, okay. North Carolina, and yeah, um, my ex husband had gotten a job at a local university here. So, and I loved it here when I was here in the national uh. company and when I taught at Meredith, I loved it. And this, those five years that I was here, I just fell in love with the. Um, it's very beautiful. Here. It's a very nice yeah, part of the country, for sure, very, for sure. Yeah, it's very green. And the triangle, Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill, is kind of this... Um, I didn't know if you were allowed to say Chapel Hill, being at Duke. I didn't even know if you could acknowledge that the town <laughs> exists. I, may, I, may I thought you could just say Raleigh-Durham and the other thing. <laughs> no, actually... More than half of my colleagues have a connection with UNC, ah, so it's well, very yeah, sure, yeah, right. of okay. course. I mean, I would I would only expect that. Yeah. I'm I'm just making basketball references for yes, the sake of doing yes. them since we're in the middle of basketball season. <laughs> well, and I went to Indiana, and Bobby uh, White was there, so yeah, it sure, chased me for, sure. uh, forever. But I I stay out of the basketball fight. I um, so anyway, so tell us then. I mean, let's transition to the book here. So, like you know, obviously you had been working in the profession recognized you know for wonderful contributions and and a ton of clinic experience by that point obviously and singing experience so what's the genesis of the book how how did how does this come about because you obviously also worked with a ton of great contributors Mm -hmm. which is common in many of these plural titles uh and again vocal fam just so you're not not you're like wait what are we talking about again manual of singing voice rehabilitation a practical approach to vocal health and wellness available on plurals website amazon and wherever else you get your lovely like if you want an ebook version on the app store for your lovely uh you know apple books but how you know how how wh- wh- what's the what's the genesis what's the story there again my path crossed with a a, a person who <laughs> uh, ended up being sort of a guide in that pathway. It certainly was not on my bucket list. It was not sure. something that I was thinking about where sure. we going to do this. Um, I was kind of doing my work. And and Brenda Smith. Oh, who, okay. Um, yes, you know her. And she, she and I met, gosh, probably, probably 12 years ago. Now, she was kind of one of the first people that I met kind of in the voice world when I, <laughs> when I entered the voice world in my speech pathology. What, do, what does that mean? Is, is that just random code for the first year we all went to Voice Foundation? 
I'm just uh, kidding. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, it was the... Um, See, the Sarah, on, Sarah um, you've already done it. There you go. You've already been to Voice Foundation. Yeah, 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 I did it. I did it. So, I knew sorry, some people. It was the, um, the International Conference of um, Physiology and Acoustics of Singing. When we were still doing oh, POTS. Wow. Which one? Yeah, it was in... Um, it was in Texas. Uh, at San Antonio. At San Antonio. Yes, I was there. <gasps> oh, my God. What a Nick. small world. I was there. Once again. I'm sorry we didn't cross paths that weekend. I was a I was a brand new professor. Nobody, I mean, only a few people there at that point knew me. I mean, you know, John. I guess I guess that's even the first time John and I met. But um, you know, I by because it was that was 2009. Correct. That was January 2009. I had I had been I my summer in Groningen was 2007. So it was two years after Don and I had met, but it was still in the phase of Don in my life where he would see me and God, God rest Don. And, you know, we all loved Don Miller, but, um, where he would see me and it would take him just one moment to go, this person's been in my home and I know them well and I correspond over email with them on a pretty regular basis. And I can't remember their name right now. Uh, we were still in that phase. Uh, but it was, yeah, that was actually, believe it or not, that was only my second academic conference I think I was ever to. Uh, I think my first had been Voice Foundation the year before. Um, but that was, I think, the second academic voice conference I, I, I ever attended. And it was definitely first time I met Ken Bozeman, for sure. The first time I, I mean, a ton, it was the first time I met a ton of people. But yes, I was totally there. You know, one of the things I, love most in life is these connections and these overlaps and these intertwining of people and uh, this just makes me so happy nick that we were me there too. together because it was my first professional voice conference too we had just started the voice center at duke ah. two years before that ah. I mean, there wasn't even a voice center um when i got to duke uh and so uh that was I, I, that was the first time I met all of those people. Remember those well. two great talks that John had put of one one of Ingo's and then one of Don's in the morning as keynotes like against each other the next day day after, and that it was really lovely seeing because you know both of those gentlemen so wonderful were just such great gentlemen, but then also just you know the, the, a little bit of sparring it was just really quite wonderful. <laughs> um, and, and, and and anyway, and, and of course all in good 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 fun and humor and and, and whatever. But uh, oh, that's great. It was anyway. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I was very intimidated. <laughs> and, oh, uh, me too. I, I was scared out of my mind. Yes, I was quite terrified. And, um, but I was so glad to, to meet all of that. That was the first time I met John Nix, first time I met Ingo. Um, many, many, many people. That was my first yeah, time absolutely. Him. I like to think, Nick, I'm going to put this now in my memory that you and I were at a table at dinner <laughs> together. We very well met. I am so sorry it. that like we... My we gosh. had a really nice conversation, but it was there was so much noise in the room we couldn't quite hear each other's names. Maybe and- <laughs> I don't, I, like you know, and I was so young and stupid, and I didn't know how to even navigate academic conferences <sighs> yet, and whatever. And anyway, well, sorry. So I love that we have that connection. Yeah, fantastic. So Brenda Smith. Brenda, Brenda Smith, Smith was one of the people that I met there, and I actually did sit next to her at dinner one of those evenings, and then we just kept meeting. 
Sure. At conferences and boy, several, several years later, she started talking to me about, you know, writing a book. (laughs) You know, I thought, (laughs) 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 good one, Brenda. Uh, (laughs) Aren't you funny? (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty much it. And uh, I was like, I can't do that. And she just kept at me. Ah. She just kept at me for uh, uh, probably a couple of years. And every time I would see her, she would bring it up again. And, and I don't know what finally tipped the balance. I, I think she asked me to, she sent me like the link to submit something and, and huh? plural. And she asked me to write a chapter. And, you know, meantime, I'm still like, all right, if this will, if this will make you happy. Happy. Uh, <laughs> And 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 then it then it happened from there. So um, so I I'm I don't know that I would have ever written this book if Brenda hadn't seen something in me that I didn't see in myself mm-hmm. at that time. And I'm so grateful for it because it was a great experience. Yeah, for me, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about um, this profession and doing it. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, uh, talk to us a little bit about, obviously, you've got the perspective of both a singing teacher and a speech-language pathologist, Mm -hmm. which you bring to the book. But do you think of your target audience for the book more for the singing teacher and so that they're aware of sort of the interdisciplinary world that includes speech-language pathology? Or do you think it's better for a speech-language pathologist? Do you wish both had it? What do you think? You know, when I was writing, every time I sat down to write, I had like all my books piled around in my computer. And and every time I sat down to write, I would think... I hope I come up with something useful. Ah, fantastic. Something useful (laughs) today. And so that was always my target. And so to your question, I, I hope there are things in this book that are useful from several different perspectives. Okay. Um, But clearly this, this, um, the whole field of singing voice rehabilitation, it really is the nexus of art and science. Yes. Right? And you have heard my path now, and I I feel that's really a beneficial way to do it, and I feel it's really useful to have the in-depth training on both ends. And I, I haven't been able to figure out a way that one could really do it in a generalized kind of way yeah. without without having, having both both of those yeah and and it to me to the to the singing teachers expertise uh, you know you're working with with singers who have injuries you better know what you're doing building technique in a healthy instrument before you say that you're going to be able to to um you need to know the habilitation not just the rehabilitation i I feel that way nick yes that's just and you know there are differing opinions about this but that that's just kind of 
to me that that makes sense. Uh, sure. And at the same time, boy, what I learned from my speech pathology training and you know the medical side of it and the the anatomy and physiology and acoustics and just kind of the differential impact of different kinds of injuries or disorders on the uh, um, and how do you then how does that inform what you do from a therapeutic yeah. perspective? Yeah. So I don't feel like I had the knowledge that I needed just from my singing teaching mm. um, side of things. So, you know, that's my path and that's that's sort of the conclusion I've arrived at, but I do feel like it takes a village. And, you know, I, I'm on a, a voice care team with, Laryngologists, you know, ENTs who have gone and gotten fellowship training specifically in laryngology and uh, speech pathologists who are not necessarily in that kind of singing end of things, uh, but work, but are high, have a high level of expertise with voice. Yeah. And, uh, and I collaborate with singing teachers and I, I want to be really connected with the singing teachers in my community. And I, I love when singing teachers come to an evaluation or to a therapy session. I really oh. think that's the best outcome. And I really, I feel like it takes all of us. Yes. Yeah. Thinking 100%. back to that singer in Portland and that snowy night, you know, wasn't that one person, one of those professions alone can't achieve that goal hundred percent helping that that singer so uh, i i guess my target audience was really just to be informative to all of the professions that intersect there it is there mm -hmm. absolutely uh, at the same time i did want it to be really useful for people who were pursuing a, a path in rehabilitating singing voice and so yeah. i wanted sure. to be really clear and um provide resources that I hoped would be useful. Sure. The, there's yeah. a specific chapter I want to ask you about, but um, but since you brought up this idea, let's say that you were a recent graduate of a master's degree in singing, and maybe Looking. also you co-hosted a podcast, <laughs> but then you had thought about maybe also going into speech language pathology. What might yeah. you, what wisdom might you maybe share about maybe things they could consider uh, toward a possible, uh, I don't know, you know, career paths? Yeah. Or well, and not even so specific. Like, if you, we don't have to be so specific. Anybody, but for look, anybody. Like looking at this path who, who comes to it saying, ooh, this is something that looks interesting to me, being able to help people, being able to come at, like, at, who want who is interested in that path? I guess that's what I would. Ask. You have any advice? Yeah, suggestions. Well, hypothetically, saying that person is this doesn't exist. Yeah, in we're, this we're present going. in this podcast, I would say yes. I would say yes. <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer. It's fantastic. Just the the way the question is posed. You want to use your knowledge and your and I'm speaking to you Sarah but I'm speaking to everybody else out there who's listening to this because I probably get a question like this a lot I'm guessing once a month at least yeah. once a month sometimes even more often than that and that you're asking the question and it interests you it's piquing your interest 
uh, I would say say yes to it. Yeah. Because she's already had good voice training and, you know, some. <laughs> I don't know. I think I present a pretty decent pedagogy program. Um, so, I mean, she's, you know. <laughs> if you don't say so yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. But uh, anyway, okay. All right, well, that, that was just a little side journey there. Yeah. For, so, yeah, for anybody out there considering it. Um, well, it's such it's, a. It's like you said, it's something I feel like you stumble upon where, because it's not something you can just go to school and be like, I'm going to major in fill in the blank of whatever you would even call that degree. Like, how, how could you even... rehabilitation, right. Yeah, right. yeah. How could you make it just a four-year batch? Like, you really would have to get the multiple degrees and background. So I feel like it's something that you find along the way that's interesting, but then because it's not so defined, you kind of question it like, is this a path people take? Is this doable? Is it worth, you know, investing in? Or it, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, you, you've heard all my question points on that. <laughs> but it's an emerging profession. That's right. And it's like that. It's super exciting to be, in, you know, someday there will be a degree in this. Somewhere, someday, I'm, I'm quite Somewhere. convinced there will be a, 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 a clearer path. I think there just needs to be the right combination of all of us at the right university at the same time. I agree. I think I that's yeah. I think that's really the thing. So someday that that will happen, and in the meantime, it's it's tough because you that's know right. you have to kind of piece together all of this experience, but it's entirely doable and and it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to be part of a profession that's kind of. In a in in its early stages, uh, early stages, right? And by early stages, I'm I'm casting back, you know, sure, thirty, forty, yeah. forty years where mm-hmm. that's kind of evolved, right? Um, from before there were very many people who had the kind of dual pathway. Now there are a lot of people who are just deciding to do that. And when I so the voice our voice center at Duke was founded in two thousand. Six and uh, we now have eleven speech pathologists on our voice oh, wow. team. And each time we have hired and been looking for somebody to do singing. I mean, I remember the first time we were looking for somebody to do singing, and there were really hardly any not that many applicants, applicants yeah. who had oh. the background that we wanted. Right. We just mm-hmm. made a decision as a team, as a program, that we wanted the dual training background. Yeah. Yeah. for our practice uh, and and our most recent hire which was less than two years ago mm-hmm. I had probably a dozen oh that's awesome who met that criteria of a minimum of a master's degree both in speech pathology and, and voice performance yeah. pedagogy and uh, and you know the other requisite experience so uh, it's becoming increasingly a, a path that people pursue and that people pursue earlier. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In their careers and absolutely. in their experience. But it really is, I, I would tell you, it's, it's, it's so fulfilling. And I'm so grateful every day when I go to work that all of my experiences, including my experiences of veterinary technician like you know all everything that i have done comes to bear every day in a way that helps people and that's 
that is a reason to get up in the morning. Oh, that's <laughs> it just be, that's really a, such is a beautiful sentiment. Very, very fulfilling, and I'm very grateful. That's awesome. I, I, that's so great. But I do want to ask you about one specific chapter of the book before we leave the book. Yes, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, cause we're going to run out of time at some point. But, um, for the, for, in the book, uh, there's a very intriguing chapter uh, to me. Um, the, the chapter 10, stylistic considerations, um, in singing voice rehabilitation. So, you know, uh, basically posing a different, Perhaps I don't want to give away the farm of the book. I want people to go buy the book. <laughs> but like, what is that something that's that's you think is regularly practiced? Do we sort of need a different kind of rehabilitation for contemporary singers versus our more classically classical singers? Um, do they need a different kind of approach to their care? What, 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 give us a little. Give us a little insight into that chapter. Sure. Um, I think that singing well i know that singing technique has to be differentially taught for sure for a, you know depending on the style yeah. sure of of the singer and so why wouldn't that be a part of the rehabilitation absolutely too? and you know i would say i don't know probably 80% of what I am doing in rehabilitation is going to be pretty relevant across sure. styles. And then yeah. I'm going to do in a similar way across styles. But to be able to formulate a therapeutic exercise regimen and then to be able to apply what is achieved in the exercise regimen to performance, I, I have to know how to craft exercises that are appropriate across for, for one style versus another and that have a the technical basis that is most appropriate for that style of singing. Absolutely. That Fantastic. Sounds- so that that's what that means, Vocal Fam, is if you want to know more about that, you should go buy the <laughs> book. Um, on the plural website or on Amazon <laughs> or wherever ebooks are sold. And of course, like all these wonderful plural textbooks, it's got a nice companion website. Yes. So that, mm-hmm. so that, you know, some of the things that are talked about in the book are on the companion website. Uh, I just, we definitely want to say go, go buy the book. This is one that we should all just have. I think, I think singing teachers should have this as a reference because I think one of the most important things that we as singing teachers need to know is we need to be aware interdisciplinarily of what's going on, but also, you know, we need to know when to refer people out. And yeah. it's, it's just, look, voice care, as we've been talking about, is sort of not a singularly disciplined idea at this point. You know, and there are, and, and we all bring our own expertise to the table. You know, like whenever we've had meetings with, with the team that I work with at the hospital, like Dr. Schweinfurth will say things about like something about some drug reaction. I'm kind of just looking at him in awe because I know, no, I don't, I'm like, wow, the body does that. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, but at the same time, I recognize that I know some things about vocal resonance that my colleagues don't know. Um, you know, yes, and hopefully he's equally in awe when there's a singer <laughs> there and you're able to 
Um, sure. Singer, yeah. Something subtle yeah. about that singer, you're able to offer. Yeah. Well, something yeah. teaching wise Absolutely. That, that makes it better. Exactly. So you know, it's it's just it takes you know, all of us. It, that's right. It takes a village, folks. Vocal fam, it takes a village. Um, all right. So we've been asking everyone, all oh, of our yeah. guests here during the pandemic, other than voice and your normal life, because look, voice brings a lot of us joy, and helping people mm-hmm. certainly brings a lot of us joy. But is there anything else? We are a I like to say that we are we are we are a voice science and pedagogy podcast about Star Wars and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes we're a Marvel podcast about voice pedagogy and singing. Yep. Um it depends, depends on, on the, the week. Yep. Um uh, right now we're obviously we Sarah it. and I are in the midst of, of, of the big WandaVision season that is upon us. Oh yes. But are but what I've really been asking people is are what has been bringing you joy here during the pandemic mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. sort of you know that you that you'd be willing to share with the vocal fam and we've had every Everything from well, we've had lots of things at this point. Um, so, what would you say to that? Um, so, not connected to singing. I work. mean, if it can, yeah, not connected uh, to work. I think okay. is really what we would say. Uh, boy, three things popped into my head right away when you said that, Nick. And I, one of my favorite favorite things in the world is gathering people. Okay. And, uh, you know, I. I I think I am sometimes happiest when my house is full of people Love it. Uh, that I care about and people that I care about are meeting each other and becoming friends and they are eating food that I made for them. Ah, uh, yes, I so love it. Is, is A little hard. Right. Not yeah. right now. So those, uh, my gatherings have become on a very, very tiny scale. Yes, I scale. feel the um, same thing very much. So I, I look forward to getting back to a point when that's possible. But the other two things that popped in my head, one is working in my yard and I, oh, I'm I love not it. a gardener. I don't have any expertise. I have a friend who gives me awesome advice and, and guidance and convinced me that I was capable of digging a two-foot hole in <laughs> rock and red clay and trees. Oh, and, yeah. uh, so, um, but that's kind of off a little bit in the winter. And the Indeed. third thing is birds. Really? Birds. Fantastic. I love birds. And I'm not like, I'm not knowledgeable. I could, I could, I could name... 25 different kind of birds that come to my bird feeders, but I'm not like yeah. one. But you do have feeders in the back? I do. Nice. I do. And today, I mean, what's not to love about birds? They have two sets of vocal cords. I mean, it's yes. a, a, Searing. an amazing thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so I lately, I've been going through like 40 or 50 pounds of bird food. A month. Oh, my gosh. Oh, nice. They know. <laughs> right before we got to start this, it's raining and I... Notice mm-hmm. the feeders being empty. I thought I better go fill those feeders, and so I'm outside and it's pouring rain. And this bird ate out of my hand while I was oh. filling the feeders. Amazing! There were three feeders there, and he was perched on one. And I, he didn't fly away when I came up, so I filled <laughs> one feeder, and then I filled the second one. He still didn't move, so I took some of the food out and just held it up, and he ate 
right out of my hand. Amazing. He's like a, he, a like it's a like your Disney princess moment. He's 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 <laughs> actually a secret member of the Vocal Fam. He was actually <laughs> listen, so he knew you were coming on Vocal Fry. <laughs> Just wanted it. you to know that um, he was he approved. Yeah, he was he was listening. He was listening to one of our past oh, episodes. Sure. It was it, so, excellent. Excellent. Uh, no, that's well, fantastic. Uh, for that experience. There you go. No, you, you really don't. Um, but that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Bird, that, hey, that, that's our first bird reference, isn't it, Sarah? Oh, mm, Heidi. Moss Did Heidi talk about? I know Heidi does a bunch of stuff birds. about bird calls. Did she talk about birds in the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Think, All right. Uh, I take it back. Sorry, Heidi. Because I actually was thinking, I was like, oh my goodness. Wonder if well, Heidi we've had, ever we, talked we've about We've had birds. multiple people talk about doing yard work. We have had gardening and, and yard work. And gardening. So that, that's a recurring theme. Well, and to credit, I think we might have spoken to Heidi before the pandemic. So I don't know if that counts as a pandemic oh, that's, copy. that's true. So that's maybe maybe the, that's the loophole there. I look, yeah. yeah. It's the first. Well, it's a thing that's, that's unchanged for yeah. me. From that's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, and there's a little lake near my house. And oh, beautiful. Last week I saw there's a, there's a family of bald eagles. Uh, oh, our little lake. So yeah. amazing. That's so fancy. Amazing. amazing. All right. Well, Lita, thank you so much for taking time out yes. of your busy schedule to be with Vocal Fry. This is Plural's February Plural Publishing Showcase. Actually, I, I have to confess, we're actually having one next week too. Um, oh. <laughs> it just so happened that that uh, in our in our spring scheduling, we got these back to back. But thank you for making time for us. Yes. And uh, this will be a absolutely. I love it when we can have anybody who works interdisciplinarily on. Um, it, it really adds to the to the wealth of of our voice community. So so thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just enjoyed talking to both of you and making and remaking connections. Absolutely. Here. I appreciate yeah. the work that you're doing so much and look forward to continuing to listen. Well, thank you awesome. so much. Thanks. All right. Well, vocal fam, Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, muffins. Stay, we're staying with muffins. Just muffins. You know, vocal fam, I've been thinking about Sarah's breakfast actually recently, oh, thinking we're almost at the right point of the year where all of a sudden she's going to tell us that she's forcing herself to eat eggs for breakfast again. You know, I've actually been considering that recently. <laughs> like, oh gosh, maybe I should. And I've also been pondering, I got an air fryer last week, World, and I was like, you know, those egg things, that because I don't like making eggs in the morning. It's a pain in the butt, but you can buy like the frozen egg frittata things. And I've been like, I wonder if those would be good in the air fryer. Like, could that be the inspiration to make me eat a healthy breakfast again? Who knows? This morning, though, it, it was a muffin. Uh, it was not a healthy muffin and, either. And one last thing, Vocal Fam. Sorry that Sarah and I have not caught you up in the last two weeks of WandaVision. Things were really <sighs> crazy the last yeah. two weeks. Um, I just want to go on record as having said this. Um Right now, as of the end of week six, Perna's prediction at the moment after last night is two things. One, I do think we're playing the House of M storyline. I think that is pretty much guaranteed at this point. Mm. Uh, two, being the House of M, I, 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 while I think that there's possibility that we get Magneto or Professor X at the end of the show... Given that she said they're going to go meet her friend over the hill, okay. unless her friend, Monica's friend, is a scrawl and it's Talos, I am fully expecting a John Krasinski appearance as Reed Richards. Oh, so you're calling John Krasinski this, now. I, I'm calling the shot. 
John Krasinski, at the end of week six, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic, pre-Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards on WandaVision. I'm calling it. That, there, there, there's I my... wouldn't be upset, but I would laugh at you. I would enjoy chuckling if that doesn't when happen I'm wrong, next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I really, for I sure. enjoy those weeks. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be Perna's prediction sure to go wrong about WandaVision after week six. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, anyway. All right. There we go. All right. Vocal fam. That's it. We out. Yes.